Welcome back to another case study episode where we break down a specific athlete and what we change to help them improve. Now, today's case study focuses on something that we don't talk about very often, and that is critical power numbers. And when we say critical power numbers here, for simplification, we're just referring to what are your best power numbers for certain times, meaning what's your best one-minute power, what's your best five-minute power, what's your best 10-minute power, etc. And today's athlete is Jake, a cyclist who came to us as a very strong rider who really loved focusing on these numbers and wanted our help improving them. And the reason we don't focus on them is because for a lot of athletes, you know, their critical power numbers don't necessarily correlate to racing or race times or time trial, etc. But he specifically came to us with a few of these key goals. The first being there's a local climb uh, in our area that he wanted to break 10 minutes on. Um, and the second was he wanted to break 400 watts for 10 minutes, as well as improve uh, numbers in all these efforts. He had a few uh, extra goals, but those were two of the key ones. And now because Jake is a data guy, I'm just going to lay out the numbers right now from the start. And then we can talk about what happened to change these numbers. So, he came to us in November 2021, it's now October 2023, so almost a two-year journey. Uh, and on that local climb, uh, he was about a 12-minute rider uh, and he wanted to get that down under 10 minutes. And just recently, he broke it and he rode 9.53. So, he took a minute off per year and he, yeah, he, rode, he rode 9.53, which is achieved that goal. And the second key goal uh, was his 10-minute power was about 370. Uh, his goal was to break 400 and yeah, he hit 429 actually on that climb. So, that is about a, almost a 60-watt, 59-watt uh, increase uh, over two years. And it's interesting when someone comes with us with a specific power goal, like, like again, because we don't always uh, look at these numbers. Uh, and I'll go through um, the one minute and five minutes and 20 minutes uh, power numbers and how they improved uh, throughout the case study. But we want to start with kind of those two key goals and talk about them. But Dad... Take us through this case study. It's pretty, pretty interesting. Where was he when he when he kind of came to us? Describe where he was at. Yeah, I've loved working with Jake. He's been a fantastic uh, athlete. Uh, I, he's just so motivated and wants to improve and is like a sponge for information and, and he loves data and lives and dies by the data. Um, and so, yeah, all of the training he was doing was really all the time trying to, you know, do PBs on Strava segments and, and ride Zwift races where he could race his mates and a highly motivated athlete um, who just wanted to improve, uh, just wanted to, to have specific targets that he was improving on. And that's quite a different, as you said in your introduction, quite a different perspective from the people who normally join. Um, and I'm trying to convince him that, yes, that's really that's really good goals. They're, they're fantastic goals, but you want to be a more all-rounded, well-measured athlete that's capable of riding for 60 minutes or 20 minutes um, at really good power rather than just being a guy who can ride great 10 seconds, 30 seconds or a minute power, you know, you, you've got quite good at. Um, you've still got more room to improve and you know the goals he set were quite lofty when you when you think about maybe 370 or 375 and you're aiming for 400 over 10 minutes that's quite a significant improvement 25 watts um and you know to try and improve two minutes on a climb that only goes for 12 minutes is a huge percentage improvement and but you know these are the things that people come to us with and i never say never and i always say there's no ceiling to anybody's goals and um, funnily enough, now he's achieved those goals. We were actually talking the other day about what's next and um, I was sort of throwing things out to him that he could do that would help him on his journey to be a better bike rider rather than just a, a Strava segment uh, kind of bike rider. Um, but yeah, look, the things that he started with with us was very basic bike riding ability in bunches. Hadn't really done a lot of that. Was mainly riding you know, with his mates um, and when you're getting into a big bunch of 20 or 30 people, you can't ride like that. You've got to actually understand the nuances of of bunch riding and how to roll turns and how to sit on your bike even and how to how to get in the roll and ride not too hard over the front wheel and and not hard enough so you're sitting in the wind for too long 
um, getting on the right wheel, it's not surging, and all these things that he had to learn um, right from the get-go. And, and you know, for such a, a, a really good, high-powered athlete, um, that he still was quite strong when he first joined us. Um, yeah, 370 was, watts for 10 minutes is nothing to shirk at. That's right. And and he was getting, you know, struggling with all of our bunch rides, just hanging on and getting dropped. And if I take it from that day back in November when he, you know, in 2021 when he first started to today, he, he's gone from the back of 2030 top riders in a bunch and now he's in the top three, four. And that's that's something it shows measurement of improvement to me. Um, and he dishes out the pain that he was getting dished out to when he first uh, started to ride with us. And I love that. That's uh, it's just reward for for great effort and you know consistency. And and he's had lots of ups and downs, lots of highs and lows. I think we mentioned him on a podcast earlier on the year when he went to Scotland for the World uh, Road Championships and got got really sick three or four days out before and actually couldn't compete. Um, so you know that that's a massive. Uh, disappointment when you travel the whole way across the other side of the world and and you don't actually get to do the race that you were preparing for. So along that journey, there's been lots of good and lots of low low times with sickness and injury and illness. Yeah, and so like you said, he was a competitive athlete and he, he loved racing uh, his mates on Zwift. He loved racing his mates out on the road and um, they were always trying to you know hit Strava segment goals together. Um, so what does that mean? He actually needed to work on. You mentioned kind of the the bunch riding skills, but you know, from a training perspective, uh, what does what does that mean as a coach that you look and go, okay, what do we actually do with you? Yeah, and and look, when I looked at uh, some of the history, and I always ask athletes to load their previous history before they start, so I can actually go and have a look at what sort of riding they're doing, so that I get a a good idea of what what their body's used to. And um, it was quite a shock to me that almost every ride he did was between point nine and one. 1.01% intensity. Almost every single ride was just hard. And AKA high, super high intensity. Super high intensity. And and he was having a ball with his mates. That's what I could that's what I could glean from the data. Um, and some of the rides were, you know, on Zwift's races and some of the rides were out on the road for two hours, three hours, and he was just riding hard. Uh, the whole time, and um, and he he'd reached a, a pretty good level of fitness, but that was going to be unsustainable. And there were lots of periods where he had two, three, four days off in between. Because probably uh, maybe he was too busy with work. I don't know the reasons, or maybe he was exhausted uh, from training at that level. But I've I've got an inkling that it's a combination of all of those things. And and he didn't have any structure, and it was always you know if all the mates are ready for a ride, then we'd go riding, and and it's just smash each other and see. So who can uh, have the bragging rights today, and and that's okay as well. And that's there's nothing wrong with that. You will actually um, become fitter and get good value, get good health and fitness values from those from those sessions. And and that's not we're not we're not criticizing that. But what we're trying to do, they come athletes come to us to improve, and so you can't sustain that forever. You're going to come to a point where you're just going to level off. And if you don't actually put some structure with, with some other sessions that are going to build that aerobic base and build that uh, adaptiveness that you can carry load in your training um, so that when you want to ride fast and hard, you have got the fitness uh, that you can actually push out the power that you want to for a sustained, per for a sustained period. And that short 30-second, 20-second, one-minute, five-minute you know, if you do if you do that sort of training, that's going to be fantastic for those um, efforts. But when you come to some of the Grand Fondo races that might have, for example, the Amy's Grand Fondo here in uh, Victoria in Australia, it has it starts off with a brutal twenty to thirty minute climb. Uh, in the first kilometre, it goes straight uphill, 
And if you don't have good threshold for 20 or 30 minutes, you're not going to be able to keep up with the main bunch. And that's exactly what's happened to him. He's, he's quite a really good fit, physically strong, high powered rider for five and 10 minutes. But this climb goes for 22 or 23 and he gets separated from the main bunch and therefore the race becomes a different race. He's not with the front group anymore and he's, you know, battling to, to stay close to the front group but he's never going to bridge across so so i'm trying to get him to change his way of thinking to to be a better all-rounded athlete uh cyclist that can actually go in any race that you want whether it's a short criterium uh whether it's a a, a road race it's got no no hills whatsoever and you can you can roll turns well or a handicap race where you know how to roll the proper handicap turns or or a race like that a grand fondo that's got some climbs where you you need to have threshold capacity to be able to stay up with the main group so these are the areas that that i identified that he was uh, needing work on and and you know to his credit he 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 wants to do that and he's really tried to do that, but he's still focused on those goals that he had early on, which is actually okay. But at the end of the day, the next step for him is to actually do this next level, which is threshold riding. It's a classic coach's perspective where he hits all his goals and um, you know you go, okay, well, no, here's, here's where I can still see more potential from you and where you can improve. But I want to break down what you just said a bit further in terms of that, that Amy's Grand Fondo example where you, know, he, you say he's really good for these short power numbers. So when he came to us, yeah, it's we want to reiterate at that point. He had really good numbers, as we said, three seventy for ten minutes. Three seventy watts for ten minutes is really strong. You know, that's really good riding. So for someone that's already really good at one minute, five minutes, ten minutes, how do you actually, you know, how has he made this jump? And if I look at through his numbers, let's do, look through the critical power numbers you know, specifically. So his one minute power best power when he started was five fourteen. That's gone up to seven thirty nine. So that's over two hundred watts. His one minute's gone up by. That's monstrous, holding seven hundred thirty nine watts per minute. His five minutes has gone from four eighteen to four fifty six. And I think we said his goal was to break 450 for that which he did so 418 to 456 again almost 40 watts increase over five minutes uh, like his 10 minutes we've spoken about 370 to 429 uh, but even his 20 minutes has gone up um you know he did the same climb in, in the hills and again in the local area in the Danny nongs and he was 336 uh, watts when he joined us and that's gone up to 370 ish 375 on the same climb so um again i'm, I'm explaining these numbers and it, one minute, five minute, 10 minute, 20 minute, they've all had jumps. Um, and again, that one minute, five minute, 10 minute were quite significant jumps. How does an athlete like him who was already really strong find these improvements when he, when that was all he was practicing? Technically, he should just be really good at that and he should be maxing out of that. Yeah. And for most people, that but they would be happy with those numbers for the next five, 10 years. But he just felt that there was more improvement in him. And, and he wanted to extract the most he could out of his, out of himself. And he wanted to see where he could go. And so he embraced the program and really uh, one of those athletes that you love coaching because he's listening to the advice. Um, and at the same time, he's still got that boyish attitude of, I still want to have a crack uh, with my mates here and there. Um, but he's actually understanding that with, you know, being a bit more patient on some rides and just staying in zone two. On, on, and he really did that well. He, he, you know, I remember a couple of training camps that he went up to Port Douglas. Um, it was a family holiday, but we called it a training camp. And uh, <laughs> he, he was he was really having a really good time having two weeks of, you know, uninterrupted training with, with family, obviously, most days um, as a priority. But he was able to go 
and do zone two rides where he he was strictly not allowed to ride hard. He found that very fatiguing and tiring uh, when you're having to back up day after day for you know for over two weeks. And they were good examples to him that you can't just go hard when you've got a a, a good two week block of training where you've got more time than you normally ha- would have as as a working normal person, you know, nine to five, you know, during the year. So, so you know, there were hard lessons he learnt where he was just riding, you know, even the, the zone two easy rides, he was still riding them too hard. So when it came to the next day, he was carrying too much fatigue. And then four days later, he was, you know, paying the price for the what he did three days earlier. And so, so they're the things that we really changed so that when he wanted to ride hard, he could actually ride harder than he was before because he had a great fitness base that we were, were building, whereas before he didn't have that. Um, he would just ride till he dropped and he was not really riding past two or three hours. And, you know, regularly now he can ride four and a half to six hours and and you know still have a, a tough day out there but it's almost double the time that he can spend on the bike because he's got that fitness base and he's done all this groundwork in zone two and not just going out day after day doing the same high intensity stuff so pulling him back doing longer endurance pulling his high hard days back to only two a week um, with the endurance ride with some intensity of 30 minutes or so in that long endurance ride and making sure that those two hard days, he rides harder than he's ever ridden before so that he has to actually recover on the Monday, Wednesday and Friday so that he can actually implement those two hard days instead of the, the three, four, five hard days he was doing before that was actually just really physically fatiguing him so that he couldn't actually push any higher numbers. Um, so that that seems really obvious to everybody who's listening. But to implement that into something you've been doing over and over again, people don't like change and they don't trust it. How am I going to ride better if I ride slower? That doesn't even, that sentence doesn't even make logic, does it? So if you ride slower in zone two, you will actually be able to ride faster in zone five and six when it counts because you're not as exhausted as you were the other day. So you've got more fresh legs to ride properly, but that doesn't happen straight away. That takes months of getting your body to adapt to that aerobic fitness and absorbing the load that we're giving you. So initially, he sort of went backwards a bit with his power, uh, peak power numbers because he was carrying a lot more fatigue from the load that we were giving him. And then it starts to turn around when he freshens up because we don't do that every week for six months. We do that as a, a period of hard riding, then recovery and testing. And once his body adapted to that style of training, he started to see, oh, geez, this does work. I am now actually doing better one minute, five minute, 10 minute, and even the 20 minute numbers were going up and up. And and once the person's on board and seeing uh, improvement, then they start, start to trust the process a whole lot more. You can't convince them of that at the start because they're doubting, um, but they're reaching out to you because because they want to improve in some way and they can't get it themselves. Yeah, it's just this fascinating sense of, you know, if you just do 11 or 12 minute efforts like that climb was that he was really attacking, uh, you'd think you'd get really good at that. And he did. But if you just keep doing VO2 sessions over and over and high, really high intensity sessions over and over, you will get good at that, but you hit a ceiling so much quicker. And when you add in that, what you just said before, it's, you know, that consistency with that base, uh, you're giving yourself this other element, that, that strong aerobic base. And that is the thing that helps him break through to suddenly now ride down and break 10 minutes for that climb. And um, that's the important thing to understand, I think, is, you know, if you, yeah, you can do high intensity, that's great for you. But without the aerobic base work and that consistency that you're talking about, uh, you'll hit a ceiling. So I guess to finish with, I mean, what, what, do you, what does he actually say now? I mean, how, how happy is he? What's, what's he thinking say about this? Yeah, look, it's great that uh, I had a phone call from him saying, 
this is the best phone call to make um, to you, coach. Um, I've achieved all my goals. I could not be happier. I've exceeded my expectations quicker than I ever thought I could. Um, I'm just in awe of what I'm doing. Um, I've never been so happy uh, on the bike. And these are, these are a great conversation to have. Um, and he's now saying, well, I actually don't know what to do next. I, you know, where, where do I go from here? What goals can I set? And I'm throwing it straight back at him. I've, I can see huge areas where we can still improve you and, and threshold, riding at threshold or just below it or just above it and not at VO2 where you're really good at. That's just honing on the area that you need to develop. And that's that threshold riding where it's 15, 20, 25, 30 minutes holding that, that high right on your threshold number. Um, that will make you an all-round better bike rider because you've already got high short power efforts in you. Now we need to develop your ability to sustain an effort. So if you get in a bike race and you, 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 you know, you're breaking away on the punchy short climbs and uh, you get out there and for all of a sudden you're solo, if you don't have that ability to ride threshold to the finish, you're going to get caught and, and end up coming nowhere. So that's the next thing that we need to work on. And he's already selected some 20-minute some power goals that he wants to achieve. And ironically, it's 400 watts, which is what he could do for 10 minutes 10 was minutes, his first yeah. goal. So yeah. uh, I'm saying, well, that's a pretty big goal, 20 minutes at 400 when, you know, 10 minutes – Two years ago, was four hundred. So yeah, so you know, we've we've certainly uh, had a good chat about that, and um, and yeah, you know, there's lots of things he can learn to develop better. His bike handling skills in a bunch, and um, the way he sits on a bike, and the way he rolls turns. So it's it's a it's an athlete that I love helping because he's highly motivated, and he wants to learn, and he wants to listen, and and they're the sort of people who will get their goals achieved. And um, you know, it does it does take some ups and downs, but eventually, if you stay consistent you will actually arrive at, uh, at your destination and then it's time to select another one. That's a great way to finish another great case study example. And we've had some great feedback on these case studies and we'll keep doing them. We've got our normal podcast each week and we've got our case study each week and because it's, we've heard that you know athletes love hearing, obviously, the training advice and the racing advice, but also a specific athlete example of where it's applied and then how the application actually works for a range of different athletes. And that's our goal with these case studies. So we hope you've enjoyed it and we'll see you next week on both episodes. 